Fast Thoughts, Fast Thoughts. I'm Adam Daniel Mazay. I hope it was a great weekend for you, my friends. I hope you got a chance to just totally enjoy the outdoors, get into your element, as it were, sink into your thoughts, you know, that sort of thing. Well, it was a good one for me. It's always full. It's productive. It's a productive weekend, if I can describe it as such. But anyway, what else did you expect? From the center of the known universe, otherwise known as Toronto, the biggest city in Canada, the center of the known universe, Hogtown, the big smoke Toronto the good, you know that city, don't you? Everybody does. You know, part of the discussions that were had this weekend was a spirited discussion about things that are happening, as I like to call them, in the zeitgeist. Things that are happening out there, you know. You just want to have like a good spirited discussion about things that are going on. And I came to a, as I have been for quite many, for quite a long time, for several months already, and I come to this sort of point, and I ask, what is, impo- what is the point of living in a democracy exactly? What is the point of living in a democracy if the people that you elect as leaders are perfectly content to suppress fundamental democratic things? To wit, for those that don't know, although I'm surprised if you don't, but let's just say that there's a possibility that you may not. For those that don't know, the government in power in Canada, the federal government at least, the national government, has introduced a couple of bills. One of them is called C-10, Charlie 10. The other one is called C-36, Charlie 36. And C-10 apparently is facing quite a bit of trouble C-36 will face some difficulty as well, although I suspect it won't suffer the same fate as C-10. What is C-10 essentially? In a nutshell, C-10 allows the government of Canada to dictate what is acceptable and unacceptable content on social media. As I said, in a nutshell, it's a lot more involved and intricate than that. But in a nutshell, that's what C-10 represents. What is C-36? C-36 is a resurrection of the struck-down Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Code, which is essentially the clause which would have mandated something known as hate speech and would have described it very accurately. It was struck down in Canada in the year 2012 by the then Prime Minister Stephen Harper as being enormously overreaching, overarching and way beyond what was necessary in terms of legislation seeing as hate speech is already legislated against by the Canadian Human Rights Code. So what this government would like to do with Charlie 36 is they'd like to set up a system 
whereby if anybody, for any reason, senses, feels, is fearful of somebody else for the things that they say, that they do, or that they may do or may say, that that person that they fear can be censured um, either by fines to the tune of $70,000 or more, and even a term of imprisonment. Um, that's what we're facing. You don't have to actually be the victim of hate speech or discrimination, calumny. You just have to fear that it may happen, and you don't have to face your accuser either, which is a violation of a sacrosanct precept in, we'll call it, Western jurisprudence, where you have a right to face your accuser. And under Charlie 36, you would not have to face your accuser. Your accuser could incriminate you anonymously, and then if you were to be arrested under the conditions of C-36, you would never know who is in fact your accuser. It sounds otherworldly. It sounds straight out of a dystopian novel. It sounds like something that is so grossly anti-Canadian, but it's in the here and in the now. So I ask the question again, what indeed is the point of living in a democracy if you don't engage in democratic behavior? What's the point? Now I suspect a great deal of Canadian citizens are not aware of these two proposed pieces of legislation. And the reason that I say that is because whether unfortunately or fortunately, I suppose fortunately if you're a member of parliament, an MP, unfortunately if you're a Canadian citizen that doesn't know about these things, most Canadians only take interest in Canadian electoral contests essentially during the so-called 30 days of the writ, R-I-W-R-I-T, excuse me, period. The writ period, the writ is dropped, that's the expression in, uh, in British jurisprudence, drop the writ. Drop the needle! Drop the needle! Drop the writ! Drop the writ. So drop the writ. So Canadians are only interested in the 30 days or so during the time when these various people are stumping the hustings. And only between 9 and 5. And only usually what they're getting from mainstream sources. That's it. That's all they take an interest in. That's as far as they want to educate themselves about various pieces of legislation. It's not adequate, obviously. This is not the effervescent, vigorous, roiling foment of our neighbors to the south who essentially are involved in elections every two years, whether they're presidential, general, federal generals, or whether they're congressional elections every two years, the midterms as they call them. So they're involved in elections every two years in the United States, but not in Canada. In Canada, federally, if we're lucky, we get an election every four and a half years or so, every five years. That's it. That's all you get. And Canadians are not really interested. And therefore, the governments of the day are aware of this paucity of attention, and so they take due advantage of it. Uh, another thing which is very curious, and that remains the case, and I don't know why, but this is the way that we elect MPs to Parliament. I've said this, you know, variously over time on these vlogs, but I'm just going to remind those again for those that are new to Fast Thoughts or to my various vlogs. So we have a system called First Past the Post, FPTP, 
first past the post, FPTP, um, here in Canada, which means if you get one more vote than the rival, or the next in line, but the rival MP that is uh, going head-to-head against you in a given riding, as we call it, a constituency, an electoral district, you become the representative for that riding. One more vote. That's all. So it's, I'm sure it's very easy to manufacture a vote or to convince somebody to vote for you. We are presuming, of course, that there isn't any electoral shenanigans in Canada, and generally there is not because in Canada we actually keep the paper ballots and they're open for inspection by any candidate MP in a riding or their representatives at any time. So there's very little electoral shenanigans going on in Canada because we maintain, we keep the paper ballots. But that system doesn't work well for Canada because of the Bantu standing of sort of the Canadian electorate. So you have people living in various neighborhoods and, you know, they talk about this vaunted integration you know, this diversity in Canada, but essentially you have various neighborhoods where a plethora of people live, and it's usually only those people. To wit, in this area, you have the Chinese. In this area, you have the Persians. In this area, you have the Indians. In this area, you have the Pakistanis. In this area, you have the Somalis. In this area, you have the Jews. In this area, you have the Greeks. In that area, you have the Italians. It, it exists like that in Toronto, unfortunately, or fortunately, depends on how you look at it. And so it's very simple for people to elect representatives in those ridings that are from those communities, and they're always going to get elected. Um, And so you can organize things if you're a party in Canada, federal electoral party. You can organize things where you have various ethnic candidates in various ethnic areas of the city, and then voting in Canada becomes an ethnic popularity contest. And that's what it becomes. And so you have this situation where these parties get these large clusters of MPs in the various legislatures and houses of parliament that don't accurately reflect the wishes of the entire country. And in Canada, quick electoral sort of lesson, and in Canada, everything is weighted to the east, not the west. So the west always gets the shaft in terms of what's going on in the federal capital in Ottawa. They don't have their interests adequately represented. And the East, for lack of a better term, Ontario and Quebec, is basically dictating to the remainder of the country how they should be living their lives when those people clearly never vote for the parties that are actually lording it over them. Back to that point. What is the point of democracy, then, if you engage in anti-democratic behavior. It would appear to be the case that the current Prime Minister of Canada is perfectly content to remain in power until he doesn't want to be the Prime Minister anymore. Or, alternatively, if you're a little bit more cynical, until whoever is telling him to remain as the Prime Minister indicates to him that he no longer needs to be the Prime Minister anymore. But let's just keep it simple. So, he can stay in power as long as he wants to stay in power. And it's quite obvious from the performance over the last cluster of years that the Prime Minister in Canada is a very weak sister and unfortunately is not a very authoritative, knowledgeable or persuasive Prime Minister and or a good negotiator in the least. In fact, one could say that the Prime Minister of Canada is detrimental to the health 
the future health of Canada, the current obviously in future health, not to mention the economy and other situations as well. Very recently, uh, the Prime Minister of Canada shaved his beard, which he had maintained for, I think, the last couple of years, and had a haircut because he was growing his hair long, and that became news for like two days. Whereas, you know, unemployment, pandemic, lockdown, knock-on effects in the economy to small businesses, and various other overreach as a result of the COVID situation is generally enormously more newsworthy than how the Prime Minister looks. But the point I wanted to make with the cosmetic changes is you can tell that somebody's gearing up or getting ready for an election again, and this is kind of like the preliminary steps, you know, getting the Hollywood game face on, etc., you know, slicking the hair and all that stuff and doing the rounds. So I don't really understand what the point of democracy is if you don't engage in democratic behavior. And first-past-the-post as an electoral concept in Canada is completely, completely antiquated. It no longer serves the purpose of the electorate in general and what would, would be considered a very dynamic electorate that is comprised of so many different regional concerns. I am quite certain that there are large numbers of people, especially here in Toronto, that actually for reasons that remain completely mysterious to me, but are in love with the current administration in Ottawa. I don't know why that remains the case. The, the results are in, as they say. You know, The evidence is there that indicates how um, inept and inadequate it is. And people, for some ridiculous reason, generally not informed by facts, mostly by feels, are perfectly content to leave things that they weigh the way they are but what we're, what we're engaging in now and we're entering the vortex of a very anti-democratic period in Canada we aren't even talking about the fact that there are a lot of people that are actually sitting members of Canadian Parliament be they MPs members of Parliament or as we call them senators the issue is senators in Canada are appointed and not elected, which, if you understand that, I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you hear me saying that, it doesn't make any sense in 2021 that senators who can actually influence legislation by rejecting it or approving it, and they're not elected, they're appointed by the prime minister. So the fact that there are people that are actually serving the interests of foreign powers, primarily Beijing's, in the Senate and reading verbatim speeches that are probably written by Beijing, it's amazing that that actually exists in Canada. And for people to say brazen-facedly that we live in a democracy, I'm not really sure that the evidence actually bears that out. Definitely first past the post, First past the post, FPTP needs to be scrapped in Canada. It's a garbage legacy system that at some point may have served Canadian interests, but given the spread of the population around the different provinces and such, it really doesn't make any sense anymore. All it does is it guarantees and entrenches and cements inept leadership, as we have clearly seen since 2015 
in Canada, unfortunately. And we're living through half a dozen years plus of, um, of destruction and evisceration. And a majority of Canadians feel so, as per polls. Let's get back to democracy. Democracy is good. Democracy feels good. Um, democracy has been our Canadian pedigree and heritage. Not this reconstructed, reconstituted, you know, like concentrated juice. It tastes like the real, doesn't taste like the real thing, although they try to make it taste like the real thing. And get some very competent people in the various ministries. Not people that are put there because they are bereft of twig and berries. Twig and berries, you follow? Twig and berries. Um, or for some other ridiculous reason that doesn't really accord with competence and skills. I think people know what I'm referring to. So much so that I don't actually need to say it directly. Anyway, my friends... I'm glad I had a chance to chime in again today. It's a gorgeous day. It's going to be a heat advisory warning here in Toronto, which is always a good thing. It's nice to have it nice and hot. Use some sunblock. Enjoy the sun. It doesn't really last that long here north of 49. And think about some of the things that I said. Engage in conversations with your friends and significant others and ponder these issues deeply. Most importantly... Don't be a tool. Don't be a fool. Or as they say in New York, don't be a jadrool. Wishing you and yours many, many good things. Fast thoughts. Fast thoughts. <laughs>